Hello, I'm Alice Arnold. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. My guest this week is the actor, director and producer, Simon Callow. Simon Callow, who's sitting opposite me in the studio, a legend, the legend of the theatre that is Simon Callow. It's very exciting for me to meet you. Ah, it is. Well, lovely to I'm be very met. excited. Now, we, we're sort of Christmassy now. Yes. And we're going to pretend it is actually Christmas, yes. although it's not actually Christmas. No. Quite yet. But you are doing your one man show of a Christmas carol yes. at the Arts Theatre, which yes. opens on December the 8th, which is quite close to Christmas. It is very When close we get to there. Yes. But it's not the first time you've done this, is it? No, this is the fourth time I've done this. And uh, a very wonderful it is to do it. It's it's a, just unique, isn't it? A Christmas Carol. It's it's it's. I don't think there's another book in the in the English language like it. It seems to touch everybody, which is what happened when it when it was first written and 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 and, and sold on on um, Christmas Eve for the first time in uh, uh, eighteen um, whatever it was forty three, uh, and uh, immediately became a huge huge success. Transformed Dickens's. Uh, reputation. He was loved. He was a red writer. You know, people loved him. But some, some with this book, people thought he really spoke for England. You know, and uh, um, uh, drew attention to shocking um, injustices in society. While at the same time, with his peculiar kind of magic, making it joyful and funny and uh, wildly imaginative. You are basically the expert on Dickens, so as we can, as we've just been able to tell. I think. <laughs> when when did your sort of fascination with Dickens begin? When I when I was a, a, a butter boy and I had um, chicken pox, and my dear old grandma came to look after me. And chicken pox is just the most unbearable thing. It's a medieval affliction because you you long to scratch it. You have to you scratch yourself, and then it's ten times worse. And oh, so on. And my grandmother very brilliantly placed in my hands a copy of a pic, the Pickwick Papers, and I just stopped scratching from then on. I never scratched again. And uh, it's just as such a that book, which was of course his first novel, and the novel that made him uh, a world superstar overnight, more or less, the first real international celebrity, uh, uh, is just so crammed full of characters and mad situations uh, and a joyous celebration of everything that is strange and odd and uh, uh, irregular in life. Um, uh, and I just adored him from that second on, and then I just read as much as I could. I had actually before that seen A Christmas Carol on stage uh, in when I was about eight, and it scared the hell out of me. I just didn't like it at all. I thought it was really frightening. And it is a ghost story as well as everything else. It has its moments, its scary moments. But, uh, but, but, but it was the uh, Pickwick Papers really that did it for me. See, I always think with Dickens, you think of it, oh, school, and oh, we've got to read Dickens, and it's a... And I had I did a production of David Copperfield on the on the radio once. And I thought well, I better read it. It's such a page turner; you can't yeah. put it down. Yeah, I no, mean that's no. the thing I think people forget about Dickens, that, especially if you read them as an adult. Yeah, they are. They're not they're, children's they're, books. They uh, are uh, brilliant page turners. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. And I thought the best thing of all to do is to read them out loud to yourself well, because that's how he expected people to to really get, come to know them because. 
as everybody knows, they came out in either monthly or weekly mm. installments. And uh, then I suppose the head of the family would have bought the installment, you know, and they were really hotly anticipated the way people wait to see the next episode of The Crown or whatever it is. Mm. Uh, and uh, then the, presumably the father of the family would just sit down and read it to the family. And and they, they Dickens is always present in his own writing. You always feel the writer there. And in, in works like Christmas Carol, he actually even says things like, yeah, he says when the spirit of Christmas past appears, first appears, he says to the reader, he was as near to Scrooge as you are to me. Those exact words, you know. Uh, uh, and that, that's, um, uh, that's a very special quality, I don't think. That's why we really wanted to do it as a one-person play, because he, there, you get his voice. He is the narrator. He tells the story. You see, now you're the the male expert, I would say, in, in the world on Dickens. But and the the female, probably Miriam Margulies. It certainly so, is. Now, have you ever thought that to the two of the two, you should get together? I think it might be too much of a good thing. I think we have pondered this between us, but yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, all right, so no. <laughs> probably wise. <laughs> yes. Um, on December the 11th, there's a cinematic version of this coming out. Yes. Yeah, tell us about that. Very thrilled about that because we, we even while we were rehearsing it for the first time in uh, 2012, I think it was, we, oh, no, 2011 actually, we, we, uh, we started to think uh, what a wonderful movie it would make but not, we didn't, never wanted to do uh, a, 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 a film version of the stage show. We wanted to do, to reimagine it completely as a, as a, uh, especially in our minds, as a as a, a story set in some kind of abandoned house, and in fact, we found an abandoned munitions depot in the Woolwich Arsenal to shoot it in. Bitterly cold, it was in Feb- February, and with with renter rats all over the place, and uh, and smashed windows and so on, oh, gosh. and dirt and filth, and 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 in that exactly fitting environment we i told the story again but in a totally different way we didn't really even plan it very very carefully i just wandered around the house making whichever room i was in into the place we were talking about so it became as the stage show had been but in a totally different way it became about the audience using their imagination and creating the space i said, this is, the, this is where we are, we're in the Fezziwigs ball, and they had to imagine that for themselves. And I'm sort of tootled around a bit in, 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 in the space. But, but really, it was getting them to, 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 to see it with their own eyes, you know, from their own inner fantasies. Okay, so now that's released 444 cinemas, I, I think. I know, how about that? I know. Coming out yeah. on, De- on December the 11th. Yeah. I mean, you've had a, a, a long and varied and brilliant career, but I had to de- de- see, I was looking you up. Not yeah. that I had to really look you up very much, but I didn't know this about you that your first job was as the front end of a horse in Voitsek. Now, I, I didn't know there was a horse in Voitsek. There is. Is there? There's a, there's a scene in the circus when Vo- Voitsek and, uh, and his friend Andres go to the circus. Or not to the circus, to a fairground, really. And mm. there's a, a, a counting horse. Right. <laughs> and uh, I was the we front end of that. We must have skipped over that one. <laughs> 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 we didn't do that. Uh, but you are also a, a, a director and a writer. And, of course, 
anybody who was anybody wanting to be in the theatre read your book, on, oh. um, being an actor, when we were all drama students. Everybody <laughs> read that. So when did you branch out into writing? What was Well, that was my first book. The, the book, mm. book that you've just talked about, Being an Actor, was my very first book. Uh, but I always wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a writer long before I wanted to be an actor. Oh, In did fact, you? I didn't particularly want to be an actor. I, 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 if I think back on it, the things I did want to do, which were being a barrister or being a diplomat, were basically acting by another means. Um, but uh, I fell in love with the theatre, but it never crossed my mind, really, that I would be an actor, because, oddly enough, we had no school drama in my school at all. And and uh, it was by going to the theatre, and I, I knew everything about the theatre. I, I read books about it, I read plays incessantly, from day in to day out. I read uh, all of Shakespeare's plays, all of Shaw's plays, all of Ibsen, all of Strindberg. I just ate them up. I found I could read them very easily. I, I had uh, the sort of imagination where I could see what was being... Uh, written about on the on the page, um, and the, well, the theatre that I was most in love with was the old old Vic. But when Laurence Olivier was running it, when the National Theatre started, which it started at the old Vic in sixty two, and uh, so I went there with my school, and then I went there on my own, and uh, I was so intoxicated by the place and by the the feeling that everybody had, the good spirit, the feeling that everybody was involved in something they really wanted to do. Um, I thought, well, how wonderful. I must tell Laurence Olivier of this fact. And so I sat down and I wrote, because you see I had a typewriter of my own, on three full scap, closely typed pages, explaining to Laurence Olivier what a wonderful theatre he was running. And he wrote back by return of post and said, well, if you like it so much, why don't you come and work here? There's a job in the box office. And so that's how I became involved in the theatre at all. And then I suddenly met actors for the first time and I thought, well... Maybe I could be an actor. Who knows? I met these kids called Mike Gambon and Derek Jacobi and Jane Lapiter. They were just, you know, pretty well at the start of their careers. And they seemed very regular kind of guys. I didn't know what actors would be like. I thought they'd be strange, exotic, you know, smoking cigarettes out of long cigarette holders and wearing dressing gowns, but not at all. They were just uh, blokes, really. Fully dressed. Uh, doing this job, almost entirely fully dressed. And uh, so we, uh, so from that I began to get think, well, maybe I, but uh, but if I am to be an actor, how, how am I going to find out? So I thought, well, maybe I could go to amateur theatre. And I, for some reason, thought that wouldn't be a good idea for me. Then I thought, well, I could go to drama school. But by now I was 19, and I thought I was far too old for that. So then I thought, I know what I... Uh, could do uh, and I've read about these other actors there's an actor called Ian McKellen and there's one called Alan Howard and they went to university and then became actors so I thought I'll do that I'll go to university and I did and I went to university and discovered a great and important truth which was that I was crap and so I decided <laughs> that I'd better go and find out how to act then and uh, uh, then I went to a drama school and then um, the rest so you did I'm the traditional route history. Yes, in yes. the end mm-hmm. but and talking about it's so interesting you talking about reading plays and being able to imagine them because yeah. I think a lot of people that's that's really difficult yes. actually I think reading it off off the page is hard um and presumably that's what makes you such a good director because you can see it straight off the page yes uh, that, that, um, that maybe have, have something to do with it I don't that, think that everyone can, can do that I yes think that's, that's true well not all actors can do it no either. that's no. what I mean um and uh, uh, it's just a useful thing you know but I mean eventually actors find out by reading it to each other and by standing up and so on. But it's it's not a bad thing to be able... It's sort of a virtual reality kind of thing. You you, you have to just imagine it. Um, and I've always been good at that. Of course, sometimes you imagine it wrongly. That's the um, 
differently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> differently. Now, you've done quite a lot of one-man shows. I've done lots. Do you miss acting with other people? Or is it just easier not to have other to bother with are, them? Other people are greatly overrated. And like, but when I said to Maggie Smith the other day, I, I said, she said, what are you doing, darling? And I said, I'm doing, a, I'm doing another one-man show, Maggie. She said, oh, very sensible. She said, there's none of that kicking the other actors out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love acting with other people. I love it. I do, I do. And I'm going to do it quite soon. In, uh, in uh, the spring, in uh, January, I'm going to be... Uh, rehearsing and in February acting in a play by Noel Coward. Oh, which one? Called Song at Twilight. It's the last play he ever oh. wrote. And uh, we're doing it at Bath and on tour. So you will Jane be Asher interacting with other... Be, you will I, have I, to will deal have with to. other people, I know, Simon. I know, <laughs> You've also written biographies. Mm. Quite Oscar Wilde, Charles Lawton, Orson Welles. Do you, have you got a plan for your next subject? No, 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 no. I'm through with biography now. Oh, okay. I've done because the, the Orson Welles one I've been writing since 1989, and there are three volumes out so mm. far, and now I'm going to write the last. So I think as it's time really for me to start living a life so interesting that other people will want to write about me. Perfect. And why not? <laughs> <laughs> now, as it's a Christmas show yes. that you're doing, yes. and and I, and really, I suppose the the piece that probably gave what we think of as Christmas to the English population, really. I mean, I think that Dickens' Christmas is what we now all try to... We try to recreate. I mean, I don't think... Nothing was like that before. What's your Christmas like? Is it a a Dickens' Christmas? We do that very properly, yes. My husband, Seb, and I uh, are great fans of Christmas. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a big decorator of the house, mm-hmm. and uh, he's an extraordinarily good cook, and uh, we like to have a, a blazing fire on the hearth. And I, it is true I, I, that, that for years and years and years I didn't do it at all. In fact, for years and years I used to get out of the country, and preferably go somewhere where uh, where it wouldn't be celebrated. But it became very hard to find such a place. I went one year to uh, Tunisia. Uh, in a town called Hammamet, uh, which is in the absolute heart of the Muslim world, and uh, it decided to snow inexplicably, whereupon they started producing roast chicken and Brussels sprouts. I don't know how they got... Well, German tourists sang O Tannenbaum. Right. But anyway, but now you enter fully. Fully. You're not a Scrooge. Not at all. You firmly into the spirit of Christmas. Uh, What music will be playing on your... CD player at Christmas time. Christmas. Well, I, I suppose some carols, but not all that many carols. Uh, um, uh, I, I like. I, I'm a big classical music buff, and probably Bach's Christmas Oratorio will feature quite heavily because it's just so joyous and bursting with trumpets and and lusty. Young voices, it's fantastic. It does sound very romantic, Christmas at your house. Can I come? I, 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 I like please. Be at Christmas at your uh, house. Of course, the invitations are in the post. Yeah, and I don't do the cooking or any of that, <laughs> so I like other people to do it. It's perfect. Um, the Christmas shopping thing, that's yes. the other thing, because you will be busy at the arts theatre, so will you I'm have... I'm exempted from Christmas shopping, therefore. Are you not going to have to do it between the matinees and the evening shows? No, you are near lots of shops. To. Yes, I mean. <laughs> It's true. You are. Oh, it's horrible. Right? Yes. That's the aspect of Christmas that I like least, because people feel under this huge pressure mm-hmm. to give presents, and they start buying people ridiculous things that they don't really want, because they just think, oh, God, I've just got to... There's got to be something got to there. to get them something. Enwrapped in, in yeah. up. Yeah. And, 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 uh, but... Uh, uh, um, and, um, uh, 
there will be Seb and I certainly give each other gifts, and 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 uh, but we increasingly tend to give gifts which actually are for both of us rather than just for one of us. So yes. so. so quite right <laughs> something new for the kitchen exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly perfect well simon Callow, you start your run at the arts theater on december the 8th um Correct. good luck with it and good luck with acting with other people <laughs> in the spring and thank you so much thank for coming you. in making us feel christmasy <laughs> was the musicals and theatre podcast and if you enjoyed that then why not subscribe it's absolutely free to our channel on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts you can also hear me every weekend morning from six till ten on mellow magic <laughs> <laughs>